LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Madeline Galea. I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Well, all three of us. <laughs> In one place. Amazing. Mate, people are going to be jumping out of their seats as they listen on Spotify and iTunes and their favourite podcast app. I'm actually just being photoshopped in afterwards, so I'm not really present on this podcast. <laughs> well, welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre Ministry every week. The One Thing's brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we'd encourage you to check out the network page you'll see a whole bunch of other quality Christian podcasts. Now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Christmas Stocking Fillers. Well, what a catchy title that is. What a catchy title. Here's the concept of this episode. Here's what we're trying to do. There's lots of stuff that we uh, read and reflect on during the year on on The One Thing. Uh, which uh, is Christian material written by Christians, thinking about church and leadership and uh, all, all that. But there's often material that we will read as well, kind of sit on the periphery of that, uh, which you know comes from people who aren't Christians who are very thoughtful, uh, very deliberate about how they lead and what they're thinking. And so we thought it would be helpful just to throw one resource each for Maddie and Scott and I, as to what we have been reading this year in that kind of realm and what's been helpful for us. Does that sound right, Scott, Madeline? Sounds great. So, Madeline, I'm going to start with you. Uh, What do you bring to the table today? Look, I bring Simon Sinek and all he has to offer. uh, A book, uh, and he gives a number of talks on the infinite game. Uh, He's based it off a philosopher in the 1980s, James Cast, but it's basically game theory. Uh, and there, there's a thing called finite games, which we know as uh, things like football and basketball. There are known players, fixed rules, and agreed upon objective. There's a winner and a loser at the end of every game. But then there are also things called an infinite game. So we have known and unknown players. New players can join at any time. Rules are changeable, and you can play however you want. And the objective is just to stay in the game. So this is marriage, friendship, business, uh, the Christian life. Uh, you can't be number one in marriage. You can't win in friendship. You can't win global politics or education. It doesn't exist. And Simon's big point is that you can't win in business. Uh, and he kind of breaks up his this theory into five areas, which is so, that you need. Oh yeah, go. So Maddie, you you you're a little bit you're obsessive, a little bit obsessive <laughs> about this. So just an insight. Uh, <laughs> you're a big fan of Simon. I'm a big fan. Uh, just just sort of as you've explained that. Why have you found it so helpful just before you sort of push into it a bit more as a resource? Yeah, I think um, I, I found it helpful in my personal life as a Christian because that is an infinite game. You know, I'm not winning and losing at the end of every day. The objective is to kind of stay in the game, to make it to the end as a Christian. Uh, so in terms of a mindset, I found it quite helpful. And yep. then also uh, at work, uh, you know, with Geneva, um, and also in terms of leadership in general, I think, uh, you know, sticking to the just cause or the vision with where you're heading, not being distracted by things that aren't important. Um, 
you know, environments that are created within teams. Uh, there's a whole number of things that he goes into, but in terms of leadership, I just, I, I'm like, oh, you can see how the leaders who last, the organizations, the companies that last, they have an infinite mindset. And those that crash and burn after five or 10 years have a finite mindset. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of that, you know, it's the soldier, it's the athlete, it's the mm. farmer, um, yeah. you know, that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy, you know, is there, but but he's basically just got you thinking about uh, how you work at Geneva, but also the whole myriad of relationships in life. Mm. Yeah. And so his theory is broken up into five points that you need a just cause, trusting teams, a worthy adversary or rival, existential flexibility and courage to lead. Can I just ask on that one? Because that, we spoke about this as a team a little while ago. One of the ones that got pulled out in those three was the worthy rival or adversary. Because they're not, you know, they're not normally words we would use in the, in the Christian world. Just can you pull that one out for us? And what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so in the infinite game, the only true competitor is yourself. Um, and it's a lot on your growth and your improvement as an individual or as a company. Um, but you can have a worthy rival. And so it's just recognizing that you might be good at some areas, but you're not going to be great at everything. There are people that you can learn from. Um, and often we can be a bit jealous of someone or feel insecure. And it's really because we know deep down, oh, their strength is my weakness and it's revealed my insecurities. So this concept is like, well, the goal is not to beat them. The goal is to learn from them. Um, and so they reveal to us our weaknesses. Um, so we just want to learn. And you can have that as an individual or as an organization. Um, yeah. Oh, it's got me thinking, who, who's our worthy, who's my worthy rival? <laughs> well, well, you missed the talk, Scott. I, I spelled it. Oh, sorry. I'm, yeah. I, I no, can... I'm not going to put on the podcast. It's just got me, it's got me thinking. But if you uh, if you do look in the show notes, we'll have some names. Uh, <laughs> there, so check that out. <laughs> look, and I did share I did share my personal one at work, and I shared that it was Gus, who I get to sit next to every day. Um, he's a few years older than me. He's quite exceptional at what he does, uh, and he's someone who I can come to work from and learn from every day. And yeah, it's very it's very positive. And it's mm. like so I just sit there and I pick Gus's brains and I ask him questions and yeah. That's good. Gus is both old and worthy. Anyway, we're <laughs> going to move on to our uh, next one. Scott, what's yours? Well, I, I'm kind of catching up on on Lenciani. So you know, everyone's been massive, you know, massive, massive fans, and obviously read lots of his work. And um, you know, he's got an ex extensive YouTube catalog, a bit like um, Simon Sinek, but but he's been around in the sort of organisational space for a number of years. And so the stocking filler I want to um, add in terms of a non-churchy resource is the book called The Advantage. Now it's actually quite an old book, 2012. Uh, it's been around for for some time, but I just found it just a another helpful resource just to sharpen, um, you know, my role leading, you know, leading the team, uh, but also helping church leaders think about their role in terms of leading the team. And so, The Advantage, four very simple ideas in it. Your you know your role in terms of creating a healthy organisation is to build a cohesive leadership team. It's to create uh, clarity. It's to then over-communicate clarity as the leader and then to reinforce clarity. And so there's been an, a, you know, a, number of, a number of things in that, uh, understanding that the importance of the leadership team and how that team functions and how that needs to be healthy in order for all your teams to 
operate and exist throughout the organization was, was has been quite uh, clarifying. And again, helping think about the collective results. So what's the big picture? So for a church, that's, you know, making mature disciples. Uh, so, so being, you know, having that big outcome drive everything so that people have a, a larger goal that, you know, over, trumps their kids ministry team or uh, their welcoming team that they're part of on Sunday. The creating clarity. So I think that's been particularly important during COVID, asking that question, what is most important right now? Now he has six questions, but, but that one's been the, the one that I've sort of stuck on. What's most important now? Almost helping, you know, helping drive, you know, the goal for the next three months. What's that big purpose that we're going to be thinking about that's going to drive us as a team? And, and I think um, the section on communicating clarity, I think communication is one of the things I struggle with. You know, Derek and Maddie are both nodding their head now. No, we're um, not. Uh, you know, Derek's nodding it more profusely. <laughs> oh, no, uh, I was definitely nodding, yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. And, uh, but, but it's the idea of, of repetition, uh, you know, using multiple mediums. You know, you can't, you can't not, you know, communicate more. Uh, and, and particularly for a church leader, I think we get bored of saying the same things and, uh, you know, and we get bored of, you know, that sort of that pitch all the time, but actually it's the role of the leader to just keep reminding people. So I like, I like his illustration of you want your staff team to be able to sort of mock you. You know, my kids, my kids have got a great, you know, dad voice. And so I feel like they've heard it, you know, they've heard the dishwasher speech a number of times now. So they know exactly what to say when I say the dishwasher speech. So it's that idea of them being able to, uh, you know, repeat things. But, but the key aspect of that fourth part of reinforcing clarity is actually building the systems and the, and the processes. So we talk lots about poetry and plumbing through the course of the year. Uh, but his last one there is, uh, you know, thinking, thinking about your hiring, managing performance, rewards, recognition, just another great reminder to do those HR hygiene things well, uh, because they reinforce, you know, who you are as a healthy organization. I think, I think we've been through a lot of change this year as, as a, as a network. And, uh, and that has just been a good reminder for me. So put in your stocking, the advantage by Lencioni. Can I just ask Scott, uh, that's a lot of emphasis on clarity. Is that assuming that ambiguity is the thing that hijacks an organization or a team a lot? Yeah, I, I think he talks a lot about the potential for confusion. Um, you know, so having having role clarity, um, having clarity about where we're going, it allows you to actually, you know, not have not have people running off into different directions. Yeah, um, okay. And I think for me, like someone who likes generating ideas and likes the new thing, I think that was a you know it's a it's something that I need to keep. You know what what do I need to focus on? What do we need to be focusing on? How can I keep uh, bringing us back when really you know internally I just want to start a new thing or <laughs> or, or try something out. Um, and I, I think it's also recognizing that uh, you know different people have different you know different wirings um and so being aware of the person who really likes to know exactly what they're doing you know today and you know the next month so just loving people in in in, in being clear on that yeah okay so derek uh what's your stocking filler uh here's my one look i've got each of my boys this book because that, look my eight-year-old is really looking forward to reading a book called measure what matters by john <laughs> durr he's really excited he doesn't even know he's excited yet now, I read this book, I think it must have been, might have been late 2019, but I've really, I've been pushing into it this year um, more strongly. Measure What Matters is about, um, uh, about obviously measuring what matters. How, how is it that you know day to day what you're doing is actually 
driving towards the, the thing that you want to do, the vision you've cast, where you want to go. And so he's, there's just some great quotes in here as well that capture. So one of the things at the start, he says, ideas are easy and execution is everything. I think I'm a bit like you, Scott. I like, I've got a new idea every five minutes. <laughs> Not always good, but there's that movement towards actually, I need to execute something. Um, there's another one. He says, there are lots of people working so hard and achieving so little. So part of me in pushing into this book was realizing there are uh, within Geneva Push, uh, there are lots of things that we could be doing uh, and within church leadership as well, lots of things I could be doing at any one point in time. But how is it that I decide what I will do now? But more than that, I think, how is it that I help those around me, those who are in my team with me, help all of us decide what we do now together and be on the same page? So Measure What Matters pushes into this idea of what they call OKRs, uh, objectives and key results. And they push me to ask that, uh, that question of why consistently, why am I doing this? What does it look like to achieve it? Um, so objectives are just the, the big picture. Uh, what do I want to see happen? And the key results are those explaining that big picture, that objective. How am I going to measure that I've actually got there? Yeah. So I, look, I'll tell you why I like it because I have a tendency to over-engineer stuff and OKRs are not over-engineered if you use them properly. Uh, they're not so restrictive that people don't have freedom. Uh, they're kind of guardrails. Uh, they're not chains. Um, and it, it pushes me to say, to not merely talk about the good that we're going to do, but to articulate it as a team, not just me, but as a team, us articulate what we're going to do in order to push towards the goals that we said. So for Geneva, you know, we want to plant 200 more churches throughout the network and work with local churches and raise up leaders to see those 200 more churches. And so I want to keep asking all the time, is what I'm doing today actually contributing to that? I don't want to get eight years down the track and realise I've done lots of interesting things, um, but most of them haven't kind of got to where I want to so have you have you found it it's it's been useful to help you implement throughout that throughout Geneva? Has that been a a really helpful process reading that book and then trying stuff, you know, moving, you know, moving the ball down the field, so to speak? It's been uh it's been a longer process than I thought, actually. <laughs> it's probably taken us 18 months to get in a rhythm. I think pro I'm hoping 2021 will allow us to get into a rhythm better because it, it, there's a whole bunch of things if you're running it as a team we need to have in place one is we need to identify our our vision and our strategic priorities to get there and then i want to build these okrs out of that as a team in order to get the rhythm so working on that quarterly basis um in order for us all to be on the same page so not no it's not massively hard but it takes discipline to do that mm. as a team mm. um and that i think has been getting everyone to a shift to us identifying that in the right timeframes in order to organize ourselves and drive towards the goal. Um, and I, here's, here's the other thing I think OKRs has helped me do. Larry Page, you know, the Oracle guy, has this great quote. He says, you want to put more wood behind fewer arrows. I thought that's such a great quote, more wood behind fewer arrows. And so instead of doing the 10 things, you do the, the one or two things that provide the most leverage uh, and get you closer and faster to the vision you want. And so part of it's been discipline in saying, I'm going to do fewer things um, to drive us towards this vision. 
Um, and it's been good. It's been hard, but I think it's been good. And I think they're better than smart goals. I think they work much better than smart goals at a team level. Smart goals are fine for individuals. And I'm sure some smart person has worked out how to work smart goals as a team. But I think OKRs help us as a team rally around our vision much more effectively. Yeah, OKRs are a lot more team-based rather than individualistic smart goals. Yeah. yeah. Derek, I'm curious. Say you get to, you look at your diary tomorrow or for the next week and you're like, oh, these five things are not, actually heading towards where we're going do you cancel them or what do you what do you do well i suppose there's two things in there one is it's like you know with your house and projects at your house there's some things you just need to do within your household just to you know i need to do the dishes every day i need to pack the dishwasher i need to wash the kids clothes whatever it is there's housekeeping stuff you need to do in an organization in mm. a church in whatever it is and so some things do appear on my calendar which are part of that maintenance house housekeeping they're not insignificant they're not unimportant they need to happen yeah but my if i'm going to drive towards a vision I need to make sure that my life isn't overwhelmed by those things, um, that there are other things that actually push me forward rather than just maintaining. So if things appear on my calendar, I do want to keep asking the question at regular interview intervals, do, does this need to happen mm. and do I need to do it? Um, that's a hard question to ask. Does it need to happen? No. Well, I need to work out how to get it off my plate. Do I need to do it? Well, possibly but there's probably fewer things that I need to do than I think I need to do. So I want to keep pushing into that question. Yeah. Okay, Derek, I'm going to, I'm going to pause you there. I want your one, your one thing. And Maddie, you're going to have to give us a one thing too out of Simon Sinek as well. My one thing, I'm just going to quote Larry Page because I think it's such a great, I think the beauty of OKRs is it, it helps me put more wood behind fewer arrows on do fewer things they get me towards my vision uh, quicker, more effectively. Maddie? Nice. Uh, I'm going to take one of his quotes and he says, leaders are not those who are in charge. Leaders are those who take care of those in their charge. And I think it touches a bit on the infinite game, but you're responsible for those who are underneath you, caring for them, creating an environment that is uh, safe for them to try things and to fail. Um, and it's your responsibility as well to obviously make sure you're heading in the right direction and not to be distracted. And my one thing is build a cohesive leadership team. That's a responsibility of of a senior leader in a church and and in any organisation is to build a cohesive leadership team. Nice. Scott, what's in the toolbox today? Well, Maddie, there's your resource, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. There's my resource, The Advantage by Lenciani, and there's Derek's resource by John Doerr, Measure What Matters. And if you liked what you heard on The One Thing, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to rate the show on iTunes and even leave a comment. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Madeline Galea. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. <laughs>